Welcome to Winning with the Burns, a podcast for highly ambitious people who have a burning desire to learn what it takes to win at a high level. All right, hey guys, thanks for joining us again today. I'm excited today for you guys to meet one of my good friends, Dr. Megan Jimenez. I'm gonna I'm gonna mess it up. I'm gonna call her Doc. A lot of times I just call her Dr. J. So hey, thanks for joining me today. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Hey, so a lot of people here in LaGrange, they see you around and they're like, Who's that little girl? She's she's got scrubs on. What does she do? This and that. So I wanna get into, you know, first of all, your career because I'm really impressed with a lot of stuff that you do outside of your career. Like what you do is awesome, but even more so what you do outside of your J O B, your job is really impressive because I follow you on social media and I watch a lot of stuff that you do in life. And, you know, to me, I feel like you're winning because you're doing what you want to do. So now tell us a little bit of background, you know, where you grew up, where you went to college and how did you find your career? So I'm originally from New Jersey. Uh, my parents are from Cuba. They came to the United States. I'm first generation American, um, you know, raised completely American. They wanted us, my brother and I to be, um, you know, American from the start, speak English, integrate. And so very grateful that my whole family came over from Cuba at that time. And I grew up in New Jersey. We moved a lot. Um, I saw my dad kind of succeed throughout my life. He wanted to open his own business. So we went from, you know, small little apartment in North Jersey. And then just slowly the family started moving south as my dad's company started succeeding. And so that was a really cool a role model for me to see. And my mom worked her butt off too. She worked, you know, for an insurance company. And so the two of them were working their tails off. And, you know, I was going to school. Grandma was around, my great aunt. I had a lot of family around to help raise me with my parents, but they were working. They were working hard. And then, um, you know, I got that bug, you know, went to USC, University of Southern California for undergrad, and then did four years there. That was amazing. Kind of cool because it was the furthest. West I had ever been in my life without family and um, did my four years there, came back medical school in New Jersey at Rowan University, which is kind of by Philly. So I was around the Philly, Atlantic City, Delaware area doing my residency or medical school and residency. And then I went to Washington University in St. Louis for a sports fellowship. And then Emory said, hey, we have this job, you know, COVID hit. Emory offered me this great job. They said, it's in Georgia. I was like, I don't, I've never been to Georgia. Um, I said, you know what? It's a great opportunity. Start a practice, lots of sports teams to cover. And, and that's how I got here. Well, the good old Georgia Bulldogs brought you here, right? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm a, I'm a Trojan. So I, I see that. I but see that. Lots of college football here for sure. So how did you land in sports medicine being a, a orthopedic surgeon? Like what, I guess what, because I guess when you go through medical medical school, you kind of like you you see everything, and then you pick a path, and that's the path you go down. What made you decide that path? I've always been into athletics, so since I was young, I've done some kind of martial arts and dabbled in other little things here and there. I've always wanted to be, you know, always preferred being out and about playing sports with my cousins and um, mostly hanging out with like with the boys, really. And so I didn't want dresses, I didn't want bows, I didn't want, and I think a lot of that is still similar today. Um, you know, I like to be in comfortable clothes. My mom always jokes that I became a surgeon so I could wear pajamas to work. And part, <laughs> I mean, my outfits are very comfortable, you know, and I get to go to work that way and I know exactly what I'm going to wear so I don't have to worry about it. Um, but the being an athlete my whole life, it kind of funneled me into sports medicine more so and I just needed to decide did I want to operate or not. 
And that was kind of what I was going through a little bit in medical school. And once I got in the operating room, I just loved it. So I decided that route. And then treating athletes seemed like, as an athlete myself, it seemed like the best option for me and where I would have the most fulfilling of a job or of a career and be able to relate to patients. What's funny is I think I've heard the story about how you started off in a in a tutu and a bow being a ballerina and you were like, this is not for me. That was my mom. She wanted me to be a ballerina, be the girly girl, and I just would rip them off. And, you know, we started in ballet and I was miserable. So they ended up taking me to karate school. Just I think it was the same building and it was just above or below the ballet school. And my family said, all right, just put her in karate. And I was like five when that happened. So you were five when you started karate. Mm -hmm. And you wind up being a black belt pretty quick in karate. Yeah, I was young, like 12 or 13. It's, you know, the typical karate schools are, I, I don't think there's so much to create competitors, those those karate schools when you're young. It's more to, you know, teach you some discipline, show you respect, um, uh, I guess it almost sounds more militant kind of, where, yeah. you know, teaches you just kind of when to stay in line, when to come out of line and, you know, respect people and get respect yourself. And that I think was a big thing for me. So you think that that was a good foundation for your career and, you know, cause now you're in jujitsu as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I think, aren't you a black belt in that as well? I'm a brown belt. A brown so belt. The okay. next one will be black. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, so that taught you a lot of stuff on how to work, how to be disciplined, how to show up to your point, how to respect. So yeah. that was a great foundation at five years of age that yeah. you took into your career. And now I think every day you, you, you figure out a way how you can get better every day. Yeah. And you know, you're going to have bad days. That's human nature. I have terrible days. And I think just all of that from karate, from everything I've, from my parents, it's like, yep, you're going to have bad days. You still have to show up. And even if you're not showing up 500% or you're not, maybe you're not growing that day you're still showing up and doing a small victory, you know, rather than just saying it's a terrible day. I'm going to sit on my couch. I think um, I heard uh, a podcast a while back. That guy said that high performers don't have bad days. High performers had bad 15 minutes because what they do is they, all right, I have a bad situation. They learn how to deal with it and they move on. So you low performers have bad days, bad weeks, you know, but to your point, you're going to have them. Crap's going to come your way, but you just learn how to deal with it. Yeah. You've, you know, you figure out how to recuperate faster and faster. And still, even to this day, you know, something happens that's not great or a patient comes in with a complication. I take that to heart. And it used to be where I would do a day, two days of just like, you know, head down, pouting around, trying to figure out what could have been different. And now it's it's a shorter window. It's like, okay, 20 minutes, get your stuff together and figure it out. And this is what we're going to do to move forward. And it's going to be great. You know, it's going to be okay. So the um, I think it was the other year you decided to really self-develop and really take your personal life to a whole nother level. And uh, you hired a, a life coach, mm -hmm. you know, someone who's got discipline in their life, someone who's already doing very well at what they're doing. You decided to hire a life coach. What was why did you decide to, hey, I need some accountability in my life? What made you decide to do that? So accountability, it's, I, I discuss this with my life coach a bunch too. It, it comes from within, right? Nobody else is going to give you accountability. So if you're searching for some external source to give you accountability, it's not going to happen because that's, that's you, that's within, that's what you do behind closed doors that nobody sees. Um, so that's a whole other topic. And um, I always, I debate that a lot with my life coach, which is pretty funny, or I guess we're on the same page now. We used to debate it and now we're on the same page. Um, 
So I think it was about a year and a half ago now uh, that I was really in a bad place. You know, on the surface level, I looked like I was crushing. I Everybody, oh, that's Megan. She's an orthopedic surgeon in jiu-jitsu. Like you even said in the beginning of our talk, a badass, right? Yeah. And yeah, it looked that way. And it seemed like everything was great. But, you know, I wasn't sleeping. I was miserable. You know, I was just kind of going through the motions of life. And I was almost hiding it with the gym. So I was in great shape because I was just hiding all those emotions, anything negative, pushing more at the gym. And I was like, this is healthy, right? It wasn't. It really wasn't. And I did that for so many years. And especially in med school where you're just told exactly where to go, what to do, residency. It's not your life. So I had all these years of just, you know, just grinding, grinding. And if I, if I said I'm exhausted or something's missing or I don't feel like I feel like you know, you just feel bad. I would feel terrible because I would say to my mom, you know, mom, it's just, I don't feel like this is right for me. Or maybe I just need more. I want more. And she was like, don't be ungrateful. You know, like you have a great life. And then it would just be more internal that it was like, well, you ungrateful person, you know, your parents gave you this great life. How could you feel that way? I did. Right. And how many of us do feel that way even though we're like oh yeah i'm on top of the world i've got a great life i've got clothes like i have a car i sleep in a house it's just it's we're looking for more i wanted more Mm -hmm. and so i finally stopped kind of like talking to people close to me that because i was just feeling worse about myself and saying you know this is terrible like why do i feel this way when i shouldn't right and so i was in a relationship and it was a horrible relationship poor communication um you know i met this guy and he was saying all the right things. And growing up, I always thought uh, success was a career, a husband and kids, right? That's what we're taught. Yeah. And so, and I might not have said that consciously, but subconsciously that's what was going on in my head. And so I've met this guy and he was saying the right things. He wanted a family. He's like, all right, I'm 33 already. You know, it's time. It's, I thought I was gonna have a kid by 25 and married like my parents. And so I went deep in and he just did not treat me the way that I was giving back into the relationship. It was a one-way street. And then he left for work and I didn't hear from him. And so I went into just a spiral and nothing was bringing me joy in life. What Again, not sleeping. And it, I was, I had nothing left, you know. I tried to go to therapy and I just, it's like a crying session. So I didn't seem to help me and maybe it was something I could use in the future. At the time though, I just felt like I wasn't going anywhere with it. So my friend said, I have this life coach. Why don't you try him out? It's like, I have nothing to lose. That's literally what I said. And I got on the call with the life coach. I was like, you are my last, like, you're the last option I have. I don't know what else to do. And he was like, yeah, that happens a lot. He's like, I wish people would find me earlier. I was like, I didn't even know you existed, right? Mm-hmm. And so he just helped me. We did hours and hours of work on me, right? And just overcoming a lot of different things in my head, a lot of subconscious thoughts I had about myself, about relationships. And finally, you know, I, I realized success isn't those things, right? Success is what I want it to be. And so I ended up breaking up with this guy finally. And then I was in Las Vegas when I broke up with him. And I said, that's it. We're done. Like, it's over. And then two months in the future was going to be Worlds in Vegas. And so I had been wanting to compete for a while. I said, I'm going to come back here and I'm going to, you know, get my redemption and I'm going to win Worlds. Like, I'm not just going to compete. I'm going to win. And that was it. And then I just, you know, came came over that relationship and started training and started putting my head where it needed to be and 
sleeping and all of the things kind of, you know, I worked really hard, but everything started to fall into line. And I credit my life coach a lot. I tell him, you know, I'm the hero of my story. And every hero has a guide, has a coach, just like winning worlds two months later. It wasn't just me. Yes, I was the hero. But I had my coaches. I had my nutritionist. And so I have people in every area of my life just helping me do better. And my life coach is kind of like the, you know, the guy on the top orchestrating it all and making sure that we all stay in line. <laughs> well, it's nothing great has ever been accomplished without a team. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many people out there that you look at, to your point, you win the world and, oh, look at what she did. But there was so much bigger team behind that got you there. And, you know, you talk about how everything was surface level. And I think a lot of people struggle with that is I've got to put on this front, like everything's good, everything's good. And then you go home, you don't sleep, and you just kind of shelf what really the root of things that are really bothering you. And I guess he what he did, he brought out how you deal with that. And earlier we were talking about uh, discipline and different stuff like that. So talk a little bit about leading up to that training because you went into hardcore mode. And what I mean by that is, you know, we didn't see a lot of you it, when I say because we're used to seeing you hanging out, you know, whether you're at you know at the football game, sewing into the community, you're doing all kind of stuff. We didn't see a lot of you because you were focused on something. Yep. Yep. So I I put blinders on like if I have a goal, I'm going to get it, you know, no matter what it takes. Um, so my goal was to win worlds. Right. It wasn't just to show up and be there. And so I had to get a good nutrition plan. I had to cut some weight. I had to make sure my training was on point. You know, I I still worked. So it was like, okay, what do I need to do to make sure I go to work, fulfill my patient requirement or my my patients, you know, make sure that they feel needed or feel uh, like I'm there for them in addition to training? Because I couldn't just say, oh, I'm not going to work. Right. Yeah. I, I enjoy what I do and I enjoy treating patients. So I was still going to office and then I really honed in on my schedule and said, okay, where, where will I have the most benefit of training jujitsu versus lifting versus hot yoga um, versus maybe I need a recovery day. You know, I would put, do physical therapy. I would do massages and all the things that I needed to recover so I could keep training. And so I, I kind of realized I didn't need a million hours on the mat because that's not really possible. And then you get hurt a little, you get more mm-hmm. injuries. So I created a schedule for the two months and I stuck with it. And I, you know, when it popped up on my calendar, I was like, okay, right now I have to go do this or I get to go do this. You know, I choose to go train today and I wasn't, you know, no drinking. My diet was really on point and I felt great. Yeah. That's something that you were specific about mm-hmm. and the mindset when you say, I get to do this. Right. I don't have to do this. Right. Because so many people show up and say, I have to go to work. Well, when you say that, then it's just misery. Well, athletes do it too. I have to go to practice today. Yeah. Like, all right, so don't go. What's going to happen if you don't go? Uh, well, I won't play. Do you care? Is that important to you? And if they say no, then okay, then don't go to practice, right? Find something that's important to you. Yeah. Well, you said, uh, we were talking earlier right before we started filming about people, if they have something to work towards, like you had something you were working towards. So you were put your blinders on, you focus, and you were specific. You didn't say, I'm just going to go try to win. You said, I am going to win. Mm-hmm. And uh, you do a lot of recovery stuff. You do a lot of um, visualization. I think you do a lot of writing on your mirror about do have your, some of that. Yep. your goals and stuff like that. So talk about how that life coach has really kind of, because it was all, it, yes, it was them encouraging you, but at the end of the day, you still had to go show up and go perform. You still had to be intentional about what you were going to do. 
And I think, again, that has to do with what my goal was and how that was important to me. Like if if you said, oh, I'm going to go win a world championship in jiu-jitsu, but you don't like jiu-jitsu, then you're not going to you're not going to go train. It's, you're not going to have that in your heart. Like it's not going to be a desire, right? So you ha- you have to find what you love to do and not because your parents tell you to do it or not because your best friend's doing it. It's because it has to be something that you deeply want to put out into the world or succeed in. Because if you don't have that, you're then you've already lost the, the battle. Yeah, you can't fake passion. No. If you're passionate about something, you'll figure out a way. Like you said earlier, if you have a why, mm-hmm. the how really don't matter. If you have a, a why in where you want to go, you'll figure the how out to get to that why. Yep. And that's something my life coach really instilled. It's like, okay, what is your why? What is your purpose? And it goes into every facet of life, not just mm-hmm. jujitsu, not just work. It just bleeds into everything I do. Yeah. And your why changes along the way. Like, yeah. you, you don't have that why to train for world now because that's over with. So now your why uh, evolves, so to speak. Yeah, or it could be a broad why that you can kind of hone into each different kind of facet of life. Yeah. Now, uh, when you talk about recovery, you're big on uh, cold water, mm-hmm. cold water therapy. Yeah. And uh, I was talking to you. I'm like, I've heard this thing. I think it was last summer we were talking. So I've heard about this. Give me the uh, the doctor's approach of why it's good for your body. Like, why is a cold plunge good? Well, it's not good for everyone, so I have to always <laughs> kind of put that out there. Um, I do have people or friends with like Raynaud's or different things where you have poor circulation to your extremities, so you might not want to do it then. And if you do it with the or heart conditions, right, because getting into a tank of cold really can set off your, your heart, you know, it, your blood pressure. There's a lot of things it does to your circulation, right? Bringing all the blood away from your extremities stays close. There's the doctor disclaimer, by the way. Like, don't oh, go do yeah, this because yeah, I, yeah. I do it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I don't want anybody to, you know, you, you could die, right? You hear about people in different parts of the world that are where they're freezing. They fall into the ice. That's right. Right? So it's deliberate cold exposure, right? Meaning you do it. It's an option. It's intentional. Mm-hmm. And it's controlled. I didn't just get into a 30-degree ice tank my first time for 10 minutes. And I still don't do 10 minutes because that's a, that's a long time, right? Yeah. So I started with cold showers, right? And I would just do like my arms. Mm-hmm. Like the first week or two, I just did my arms and my legs. So I was like, this is, sucks. This is, this is really miserable. <laughs> and my life coach, actually, he's the one that got me into it. He was like, just try these cold showers. You might like it. And I was like, I'm not going to like that. I like the heat. I'd rather go to like an island and just <laughs> sit in a bathing suit and, and, and be sweating. And he goes, just try it. So two weeks, arms, legs, and I, I would not go in. Like I would not go put my chest in. I would only just like my, my butt was sticking out. I wouldn't put anything else in. And he was like, what is stopping you? And I was like, just the thought that it's going to suck. So it was a middle barrier at that moment. That's it. And he's like, okay. He's like, did you hear yourself? I was like, you're right. I'm going to do it. And so <laughs> then I went in and I did it just 20 seconds, right? Spinning, spinning, spinning. And I came out and I was just like. Panting. No, I was so excited. I was, it was just like this rush of energy that came through. Mm-hmm. And it's the morning, right? It's like six o'clock in the morning. And so I was, it felt better than a coffee. You know, I just felt like I could go just like destroy something. Uh, you know, I wanted to go out and just start doing things. And so I slowly brought up the tolerance to, you know, a minute, two minute, three minutes over probably months, right? And so then I was doing three minutes. And then the summer hit and the, the water in the pipe goes warm even when you turn it cold. Yeah. And so I was like, okay, this isn't doing anything, right? Because that feeling, that that resilience that it 
builds mentally because for you to have to turn the faucet to the right and get in it, that takes a lot of willpower, right? That takes a lot of mental <laughs> resilience that you're like, I'm going into this thing that is terrible mm-hmm. on purpose, right? And the, the goal of it is I use it predominantly for mental strength. There's a lot of other benefits, but mentally just going into it is like, okay, I can do hard things. I can do things that suck. And coming out of it, how much, how awesome I feel after mentally because I did it. And I usually say to myself, that's the hardest thing you'll do today. And then bring it on world, right? I can go do anything today. And of course things happen, you know, and I just think that it's building that, that strength that when stress hits in, in life and you don't, you don't have, there's no intentionality about that. There's no deliberate, you know, stress coming into your body or into, into your, I guess, atmosphere. It just happens in life. And so I deal with it a lot differently now after my cold exposure practice with all the things I do. And I think the cold exposure is something that has really like calmed me. And instead of reacting to stimuli or stress, I respond to it now. I stop, take a breath. Mm -hmm. Okay, what's the worst that happens here? And I can, you know, I still get upset. My heart rate races and and all those things. Now the way that I go about it is different. And I, I think the ice has a lot to do with that. So after the cold showers and it got warm, I said, I need a tank. And so my friend makes tanks. And so I was like, can I get one? And so I had that in my backyard and I dropped it slow. You know, I started at like in the 40s, like 46, 47. And I had only gone for like 30 seconds. Drop my neck, come out. And it's so it's a very slow process. You want to get your body used to it. And now I do like two to three minutes a couple times a week. And I'm at about 38, 36 degrees. And so I, it's kind of cool because I can still keep dropping it. You can change the the temperature. You can change the time. So it's always something kind of new instead of like I've been doing it about a year now and it still sucks, right? It's still very challenging. I don't just say, oh, it's time for cold. Jump in. Like sometimes I'll take an hour to get in there trying to convince myself out of it. (laughs) You have to talk yourself into it. It's tough. And that's part of the the resilience that I'm building for myself. Um, So inflammatory benefits, right? So if I go have a hard lift day. I get in that tub, you know, leg day, I used to get so sore, like two days later, I couldn't even walk up steps. And now I can go lift again in two days. Mm-hmm. I, and I, I think a lot of that is due to the ice and just recovery. Some people argue that you need inflammation to grow your muscles. And so, yeah, I think pot- there's not enough research around it, but potentially if you're trying to go for a show and you do a figure or you're a power lifter and you need that like small percentage then maybe don't go on ice right away because you need that hypertrophy. You need that inflammation to build your muscles. Um, but for me, I, I need to train again. Like I want to train again. So I just, I need the recovery, the decreased inflammation. Uh, there's a lot of research behind cardiovascular health. So decreasing blood pressure, decreasing your resting heart rate, um, heart rate variability. So there's a lot of really cool research out there geared around the ice and the cold. Um, people sleep better too if you do it at the right time. If you do it at night, that experience that I explained to you where it's like you come out and you just you just want to go like crush some things mm-hmm. and it's better than coffee. I don't cold plunge at night. You don't do it at night. You I don't do it in the morning to yeah. wake you up. Yeah. Or even midday. Like if I go have a good workout in the afternoon around 4 o'clock, maybe I'll, you know, sometimes I, I wrestle with one of the high schools and I'll come home from wrestling because those kids beat me up. And <laughs> I'm like, I need a recovery. So I'll ice bath and then I can still sleep pretty well that night as long as it's not too late. Mm-hmm. Um, heat is better kind of for the night. Like night, nighttime is for hot baths, sauna, Epsom salt baths, warm showers, and then you go to bed. I, I listened to a guy and he said he does the cold in the morning mm-hmm. and then he'll take a warm, hot shower at night because yep. what it does, it relaxes his body. 
puts him in a state to where he actually gets better sleep by doing it that way. It also, does. when you go to sleep, your body temperature has to drop a couple of degrees, like one to three degrees for you to fall into sleep. So if you ever notice if your house is too hot, you might wake up in the middle of the night sweating or, you know, because your temperature then rises as you're about to wake. Um, I've heard like Dr. Huberman say about two hours before you wake is about when your temperature starts to come up. And then that kind of signals to your body to start, you know, to wake up. So I sleep with my cold, my house super cold yeah. because I don't want to wake up in the middle of the night unless, you know, I have to go to the bathroom, whatever. Sometimes I'll wake up sweating and it's because you want that temperature down. So actually by taking a hot bath at night, you would think, oh, I took a hot bath, so that's going to raise my temperature. But it actually, your core is saying, oh my God, we're hot, let's cool down. And so it actually cools you down. And then in the morning, the cold shower, opposite. Your body's like, oh God, we're really cold. Let's heat ourselves up. So yeah. that's kind of the science behind it. Yeah, well, I sleep in my house very cold too. Mm -hmm. My kids, I'm like, look, you can go put on more clothes. You know, I, you can. <laughs> you can always bundle up. Yep, put on bundle, put on a uh, toboggan, grab a, a quilt, do something. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so in, now you also do a lot of meal prep. You're yep. into, you know, you're into really... I don't want to say self-medicating. I don't really know what the term is, but you're not the typical doctor that's like, oh, my toe hurts. Hey, let me write you a prescription. You're not really into that. You're more into, all right, let's listen to our body and let's try to let's try to fix our body in the natural sense, so to speak. Yeah. I mean, a lot of the, I, I think a lot of the orthopedic and really medical stuff, but since I'm in orthopedics, a lot of orthopedic ailments can be cured just by how we eat viewing sunlight, you know, normal things that our ancestors did that now it's everybody's, I heard a statistic today that was 90% of our time is spent indoors in Western civilization. 90%. That's insane, right? People, I mean, I know people that go from their house to their car to their, to work to maybe to the gym to home, right? And ha you're not seeing any sunlight. And if you are, it's just going from, you know, activity to activity. And so, um, unless you have a dog. So I'm very lucky I have a dog and we get out in sunlight and all this and just easy things like drinking water, you know, increasing water intake. It's amazing how many people I had a patient yesterday that came in and I was like, all right, how's your water? And, you know, hip pain for five years. Okay. This has nothing to do with an injury. This is a chronic thing. It's inflammation. How are we going to take care of this? And, uh, I started, you smoke pack a day. Do you drink water? No. What do you drink? Diet Coke, a gallon a day. It's like, all right. So there's a lot of things that we can talk about here. And she left my office with no medicines. She left my office, physical therapy. I'm very liberal with that because I think it's just not just to get your body active and mm -hmm. moving, but it's also social, right? And a lot of a lot of patients, they sit at home all day, you know, and they're they have injuries, they have medications, they're sick, and so it gets them out. And so therapy, we made a deal, you know, for every cup of Diet Coke, a cup of water. And so just starting them out basic like that, and she's probably going to feel great in like within two weeks, just from, you know, not fully better. It's just slow. It's a slow progression. So, I mean, every, every patient that comes into my office, what's your nutrition like? What's your sleep like? Are you working out? Are you raising your heart rate? And a lot of these things are no's. And water, nobody drinks water. And not all water is the same, right? If you just take it from the sink, if you look at the, there's, if you just Google like pipes mm -hmm. and you're going to see these pipes with just like char and they're rusted and that's the pipes feeding our water to our bodies and our bodies are 60% water, you know, give or take. And so 
if you're that's the water you're drinking that's what your body's going to be functioning like yeah well there's a common thing with you is it starts with your mind starts with mental and you know even though you're in great physical shape you always train your mind Mm -hmm. you're doing something on your mind to get better and it starts with you it's like a lot of people out there i don't know where to start i don't know how to get better and starts with you starts with how you think because if you think differently then you'll go out perform but better or at least you feel like you'll perform better yep because it's all about mental approach it is everything is you know everything is your mind telling you you can or can't do something yeah what's i was saying whether you think you can or you can't you're right you're right henry ford <laughs> yep so um so what encouragement would you give to somebody who's maybe they're trying to they want to get into you know, weightlifting, they want to get into the gym or they just don't know where to start to your point with, uh, you compromise with that patient, drink a cup, drink water, you drink Coke, drink a water. So if somebody, because it can be an uphill battle. If somebody, I want to train for a marathon, but I've never ran a mile. Yeah. It's like, okay, well you got to make an action plan. So what encouragement would you give somebody that's wanting to do something they want to change but they just don't know where to start. What would you tell them to start with? Well, we're very fortunate with the internet, right? You can go and Google, you know, how to run a marathon and you'll see all these videos. Uh, you can get on Instagram and you can start looking up people that have, you know, just find people that have done it. We're not trying to reinvent the wheel. It's just, okay. Even when I was comp- when I was going to train for Worlds, I hadn't competed in seven years. And I just said, all right, I don't even know where to start. I've got this idea though. This is what my goal is. So I started talking to people that have gone to Worlds people that competed a lot what did you do and then you can kind of pick from things and then I'm lucky enough that I was able to hire a nutritionist you know get coaches for different facets training I was training specifically for jiu-jitsu you know lifting for jiu-jitsu hot yoga was part of my you know the flexibility routine and so books are a great resource they're cheap right I'm sure there's books on how to run a marathon. I'm sure you you can Google anything and then you can start finding the people that have succeeded and try to see what they did to succeed and emulate them, right? And everybody's different, right? So you do a little bit, you have, you're going to kind of do a couple more things that are specific for you, but you can take tidbits from each person and then make it your own. And that's, that's what I did. I think um, when Tom Brady won the Super Bowl with the uh, Buccaneers, the owners were getting the trophy. And um, they were speaking at the uh, ceremony and they said, our father taught us one thing is if you want to go somewhere, you find someone who's been there so they can show you the way. And we wanted to win a Super Bowl. So we went and bought, we went, That's and, right. we went and found, you know, Tom Brady and he delivered. So, you know, find someone in that career that's been there yep. and to your point, take a little bit and find what works for you. Because I think a lot of people lack the dedication because they get in and whenever you start a different routine, no matter what it is, it's tough. Like the first, I mean, really the first day, like you're excited, you're geeked up, you get that adrenaline going. And then all of a sudden that adrenaline kind of fades down and you're like, okay, this sucks. Now I got to embrace the suck. Well, but that's also what we talked about in the beginning. If you don't have a purpose, if you're just saying, I'm going to go arbitrarily run a mile every day with what at the, with what goal, with what aim goal. So, you know, if I just, I've done it too. I'll get up and I'll be like, I want to start running this week. And it'll last, you know, two weeks and be like, meh, I don't really have anything. <laughs> like, it's not really improving my jujitsu game. It's not, there's no goal. There's no purpose for it. So I find, you only have a finite time. 
So if something's not serving you or it doesn't help your overall goal, you might not do it anymore, right? So I would say the biggest thing is figuring out what your goal is in life or goals, what your purpose is in life, and then that's going to be pushing you forward when your motivation might not be there that day or you might be a little bit tired that day. Like there were days that my alarm would go off at 430 because I had to get a double workout that day and I had a full clinic day. So I was like, all right, I'm lifting in the morning and at night I've got jujitsu. And my alarm would go off at 4.30 and I was I'm exhausted. Like I got back from hot yoga at nine o'clock last night. I'm tired. And it was like, oh yeah, my goal is to win worlds. Out of bed, let's go. Yeah. You had to remind yourself. Had to remind myself. This is why. Yep. Because uh, otherwise I would have hit snooze and gone right back to bed. Is why am I doing this? Am I just doing it just to go to the gym, just to say I went to the gym? That might not be a big motivator. Probably not. Yeah. Right? But it was like, and even if, or, you know, telling your friends you're going to meet them there. That might help you temporarily in the end of the day or the end of the year. What's your goal? Is it to lose whatever amount of weight? Okay, then you're going to get your butt to the gym. That's right. All about purpose. Yep. So I'll tell you one thing. I really enjoyed you being on here today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. So thank you again.